0: I want to do uh, something a little different today, not that different, but just thinking about this I was we went uh Paul and I had a chance to have a vacation together, and that was a real blessing and uh, but on the way home, I was just thinking about this and and last uh, time that we were here together, we talked about Mother's Day and the influence of a mother and and what a blessing uh you know mothers are and, and then we then we looked at this idea of uh, family in. Matthew 12, where, you know, we have this natural family, but we also have this spiritual family, and, you know, Jesus' family was outside, you remember, and they said, you know, they couldn't get in, so they said, get, you know, go tell Jesus that we want to talk to him, and, but yet we also find out that he was kind of, that they were, they had this idea, you know, they wanted to take charge of him because they thought he was out of his mind, they thought he was losing it, and, Jesus looks around the room, and he says, you know, he sees, you know, the people that are there sitting in front of him. He said, these these are, you know, my mother and my brothers and my sisters. These are the ones that that I can relate to. And this family that God uh, has given to us, we have both families, and both are important. You don't, you know, just have one and not the other. You have both, and they're both important. Jesus he pointed to these people and he, he, he saw this extended family. And, and, you know, we have family, this, this family that we have, the family of God, is all over the world. It's pretty amazing, really. Um, we, 30 years ago, uh, we, part of our Bible school, uh, we had a practical training period of a month, and each of us chose where we would go for the month. And we ended up choosing to go to England. And so we went to England, and, and uh, you know, it was all very new to us. Actually, uh, Paula was pregnant with Anthony, um, six months pregnant, and we thought, there's no way we're going to go and do anything. But we, uh, our director said, you really, you know, if you can go, you should go. And, and so we went, and, we, and she had to kind of take it a little bit easy, but, um, but we both went, and we ended up in a, in a family. There was a family there that took us in. We all stayed with people. Uh, with families in these churches and that, and we ended up with this family. <clears throat> they were a, a couple. Uh, Peter and Vivian were their names, and um, they didn't have any children. But but these people were so dedicated to serving the Lord, and they wanted to open their hearts and their lives and help in whatever way they could. And we ended up going with their uh, going and staying with them for that first month, and then uh, we ended up going back to England. Uh, uh, you know, another year in, in that same town and then went back to England in another city uh, a, a little ways away from there. But every time we went, they would take care of us. They had a, a, a room for us to go and, and we always knew we had somewhere to go, you see. And all that to say that, you know, this week, this last week, uh, Paul and I, we, we, we wanted to do something special and so we, we flew back to England and stayed with Vivian. Her husband died about four years ago. And so um, we saw her three years ago just after he died, and, but only for a day or two. So we thought we want to go and, and, and stay and spend some time with him. And, and, and we went to the church there because we worked with this church. Um, and, and we went to the church, and it was amazing. You know, after 30 years, things change, right? But there were still uh, uh, quite a few people there that had been there 30 years that like, sort of remem- remembered us. But they said, you kind of look different. <laughs> you know, They kind of knew who we were. But, but, but what impressed me the most was that you know, we spent some time with their pastor who's been there for a couple of years, and they've had a lot of trials and troubles over the last 30 years. And, and, but, but there was a bond. There was a family feel there. And though they do things a little differently than we do, um, they 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 serve the same Jesus, and we had this bond together. You see, it was it was it was pretty awesome, really, this extended family, and that we could reconnect with them. You know, some thirty years later, uh, we were talking with the uh, the pastor there, and we're we're he, he just got so excited about about the connections, you know, and and that we could be connected together, and. And we talked a little bit about maybe doing a, a kind of a pulpit exchange for a week or two kind of thing where, you know, he comes over here and preaches, and I go over there and preach, and I stay in his, we stay in his house, and they stay in our house kind of thing. It'd be kind of fun, but we'll, we'll see. We're going to work on that anyways. I think you'd really like, uh, his name is Dennis. But we have family all over the world, and, and uh, even 30 years later, um, God's doing good things. I'm getting ready to go to the pastor's conference in San Diego. Or My family are in San Diego. The conference is about an hour away from there. And and, and I'm going to see my natural family. And they're important too. But at the same time, none of them are, are walking and believing uh, in Jesus. And uh, my mom sort of has some faith. And it's you know, always not quite certain. You know how that is sometimes. They, you, they have sort of have some faith and you're not quite sure. You have discussions and you talk and... And, uh, but God truly knows. God knows. But it's important to be with them. But we're, we're born into these families, one by natural birth and the other by spiritual birth where we become born again and, and we receive Jesus and we believe in His name and He gives the right, it says in John 1.12, to become children of God. We're born into both of these families. I know if you're sitting here today that you were born into your natural family. I know that. But I don't know if you've been born into the family of God. And so the question that you should ask yourself is, have you been born into the family of God? Have you been born again by the Spirit of God into His family? I know and I remember those days when I gave my heart to Jesus that that, that it was something you knew And you don't base everything on on feelings. You know, the the Word of God says we walk by faith, not by sight, not by feelings. But there's something that happens within a heart, within a soul, that you know that Jesus is real to you. That's the question I want you to think about. I want to look at the the natural family a little bit today and see what the Bible says about raising families because that's such an important subject I think we all need help with and, and, and you know, to kind of look at what the Scripture says about it. You can go to the, to the bookstore, a Christian bookstore, or, the, or Barnes & Noble. You can go and find hundreds and hundreds of books about how to raise you know, kids, how to raise children, how to raise families. And some of that stuff is very good stuff. But what, is, what does God's Word say about it? That's really what we need to know first. The rest can be supplemental, but first, what does God's word say about raising families? One of the ways we, uh, where we come to this place of dedicating, we, we don't baptize babies. We, you know, uh, some of the some of the teaching about that is that if you baptize the baby, then the baby is definitely going to heaven, and the baby is saved because of being baptized as a baby. I'm simplifying. I understand. But that's kind of where that comes from. So what we, where we come from is a dedicating to the Lord, dedicating this child, but not even so much the child as, more importantly, the parents, dedicating themselves to the Lord to raise that child. I want you to turn. I've got a bunch of scriptures, and we're going to kind of go from left to right almost. But turn with me to First Samuel chapter 1, first of all. <coughs> This is a part of where we get our um, the idea of dedicating children to the Lord. Of course, there's the whole story about the birth of Samuel. Samuel's parents couldn't have uh, his mother couldn't have any children, and and she was just so torn up about it. And she came and she prayed and asked the Lord. And look at verse twenty-seven. She asked the Lord for a child. First Samuel. Chapter 1, verse 27, she had a child, and she says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped him there. And then chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. And there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. She dedicated, she gave him over completely to the Lord. Now in that particular case, there actually came a time where she actually left him at the temple where you know, he would be raised there by, by uh, the priests. God isn't necessarily asking us to do that, but he, I believe he is asking us for, to, to give them over to the Lord. But to be able to do that, I read the reason I read the first few verses of chapter 2 is that you see where Hannah's heart is. Hannah's heart, she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. She had this faith in the Lord That she knew it was safe to dedicate her child Samuel, who she prayed for for so long, to dedicate him to the Lord because she trusted in the Lord. You can't dedicate somebody to something you don't trust in and believe in. This is the place we have to start, though. We have to have a heart of faith and trust, knowing and believing that the Lord is our rock. And that there is no one else besides Him that we can depend upon. Let's turn back to the book of Deuteronomy. And again, we're going to go fairly quickly through this. And I only have about 15 minutes or so because we have communion. So we're going to go quickly. So I want you to to go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we'll read these. And and, and again, um, if if you are a parent and, and this is kind of important to you, you might want to just jot these scriptures down and then go read them together and talk about them because we're we're only going to just read through them quickly Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 7 says what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him and what other nation is so great as to have the such righteous dec- decrees and laws as This body of laws I'm setting before you today. Verse 9: Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, and when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so, so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. This is going way back when God gave his word. He began to reveal his word through Moses. The question is, who was to teach the children? Who? The parents. The parents, the parents have the ultimate responsibility to teach the children. It wasn't the priests. It wasn't the Levites. It wasn't the church. It wasn't uh, all these other different youth church, all these other different things that we have. Now, these are all important. But the primary number one responsibility is with the parents. We can't depend on others to do what God has called us to do, you see. And as we'll see... As we look, it's not just the mother, but also the father. Both, mother and father. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them. Where? on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See the things he's saying here? Hear, O Israel. And this is something they would repeat every time they would get together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Begins with a heart of love towards the Lord, but he says then you need to impress them, his words upon your children. Talk about them. How do you, how do you, that's the question. How do you impress these things on your children? You just, uh, you know, like a stamp, you just press it into them, you know, like that, by force? We'll talk about discipline in a minute, that word some people don't like to talk about. But he tells us here, he says, you need to talk about these things. First of all, you need to have a heart of love yourself. They're going to see that. And then you talk about these things at home when you're on the road, when you're getting up, when you're getting lying down. Tied upon your hands, on your foreheads, all around your house. I've flown uh, you know, to Israel, and at certain times, there's time of prayer, and, and the... the uh, the Orthodox Jews, will, will, will they come to this certain point of time and they have to face you know, a certain direction and they get their little things out and they, they tie them all around their arms. They, they put something around their forehead and they, they do these kind of rituals. But that's kind of what it's become, more of a ritual. But, but he's talking here more about something that is a reality, not a ritual where you talk about the things of faith in your families. It's not something that, you know, well, I go to church and and they're going to talk to my children over there. And so I'm kind of free of my responsibility. No, you and I as parents have the responsibility in our homes to talk about these things. It's not going to be done for us. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Someone anonymously said this if it was going to be easy to raise kids, it never would have started with something called labor. And that's true. It's not going to be an easy thing. There's challenges in our day in our age that perhaps weren't such a problem before. We have so many things going on now. We have cell phones and computers and televisions and, and all these things that are going on. We went, when we went to England, our cell phones did not work. We got to Vivian's house. She does not have a computer hooked to the Internet. She, the time before, like 13 years ago or something, we were there, and, and Peter was still alive. And, and they, they, they don't have, like, this unlimited calling plans over there. So, like, we w- I was using the phone all the time, and Peter just, like, got really upset with me. I said, Peter, I'm going to pay you. For the calls. But that still kind of stuck in my mind, so I was almost afraid to use the telephone, even though Peter wasn't even there anymore. So we were kind of in this place, we're kind of cut off, you know. And you know what? It was kind of nice. I had to say it. I mean, people, you could still, you know, people could get through to me if they needed to, but, you know, there was no urgent, pressing need. How many times are we talking to someone on our cell phones when we need to be talking to our spouses or our children at the dinner table and we're going to take this call because it's important? No. How important is it? If it's really important, they'll send the police over to your house. They'll get your attention somehow. <laughs> Peter Marshall, who was uh, like uh, one of the chaplains to the, to, uh, the Senate uh, back in the in the 40s, um, he said these words, Let us not fool ourselves. Without Christianity, without Christian education, without the principles of Christ inculcated into young life, we are simply rearing pagans. Unless we put something in, we're just rearing pagans. We're just raising up more pagans. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs and, and we'll just kind of race through the Book of Proverbs, but I just kind of went through it and looked for every verse um, that had something to do. And I probably missed out a few. I was doing this on the airplane on the way <clears throat> on the way back. But Proverbs chapter four, verse one, he says, "Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning." So do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me. And he said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. The father had this place. Solomon's writing, he says, you know, my father taught me. He showed me. He explained things to me. Look at chapter 13. Again, we're going to go quickly. Chapter 13, verse 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. This is, uh, some people, you say, that's like a bad word or something. Discipline is not a bad word. Now, what do you mean by discipline? My wife says that, that everybody just now um, just defines it in any way that they want to re- to define the word. But I don't know how you can redefine the word rod, <laughs> or hate, or love. But but what I what I think about this is that it needs to be common sense, practical, appropriate discipline. And and you know for a 17-year-old child, you're not going to, you know, spank them? What do you mean you're going to do? My mom maybe tried that, but it didn't work very well. She chased us around with a belt, and, you know, we, you know, I was a little bit younger. I can remember, we are talking about this around the table a, a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, uh, different people there saying, you know, how, how this happened. I said, you know, I remember my mom would chase, you know, she, I was up on the top of the bunk bed, and she had the belt, you know, and, uh We would just start crying. We were just faking so she'd stop, you know. Common sense, practical, appropriate discipline, though, for the age of the children. James Dobson, who wrote a book called Dare to Discipline, he says these words, discipline and love are not antithetical. In in other words, you know, fighting against each other. One is a function of the other. If if you don't have any discipline applied, you're really not loving the child. Hebrews talks about it, and he quotes out of the book of Proverbs that, you know, uh, the father who loves his son disciplines his son. And he says, he goes on to talk about the fact that our heavenly father disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us. We'll read some more verses about that. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 26. This is a powerful, powerful verse. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. That's powerful. Again, where does it start? It starts with us. It starts with me. Do I fear God? Do I have any fear of God in my heart, in my life, in my mind, in what I allow into my home and into my life? He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. This example of fearing God provides this refuge, this security, this place for our children. I was so impressed by the book Already Gone that you know, talks about raising children and, and how the church has a, a, a part to play in this. But, but he really was talking to all of us as parents and as people. Number one, we need to know the Word and defend the Word. But he also says we need to live the Word. And if we just talk about how, what the Bible says and we don't live it ourselves, what kind of example are we giving to our children? Well, let's go to church now, kids. And then we get back home and things just are completely different, completely the opposite No, it's our responsibility. Billy Graham said this, children will invariably talk, eat, walk, think, respond, and act like their parents. Give them a target to shoot at. Give them a goal to work toward. Give them a pattern that they can see clearly, and you give them something that gold and silver cannot buy. You can give them the best cell phone, on the planet. But if you haven't given them an example to follow, you've given them nothing. Let's go to chapter 19. Proverbs 19. i got to go quicker. (laughs) Chapter 19, verse 18. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Again, common sense, practical, appropriate discipline. There's hope in it. Look at chapter 22, verse 6. This is a verse we all know and quote, and I think it's true. It's truth because it's God's Word. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. We need to train them when? While they're still young, right. Don't wait until they're 15 or 17 and say, listen, I need to explain a few things to you. No, we start when they're young. One year old, two years. As soon as they start to understand, we we pray with them. We explain things to them. Chapter 22, verse 15. I've seen this to be true. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Did you ever have to teach a child how to manipulate? <laughs> no. Did you ever have to teach a child how to kind of stretch the truth a little bit? To kind of want to get their way? Did you ever have to teach these things? Listen, Sonny, I'm going to show you the art of manipulation. I realize you're two now. This is how you do it. Watch me. Well, maybe that's how they did learn it, but... but I think they learn they the finer points of it from watching us, but, but there's something innate, right? That's sin nature, really. It's part of this pride, this, this selfishness, the self-centeredness we want to grab, we want to take. He says that it it's bound up in the, the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Discipline, again, isn't just mentioned once. A.W. Tozer who you know, wrote some incredible books and uh, he said this, my father was a Methodist and he believed in the laying on of hands and believe me, he really laid them on. <laughs> he kind of turned out okay, I think. Look at chapter 23, verse uh, 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child if you punish him with the rod he will not die punish him with the rod and save his soul from death again common sense practical appropriate discipline and and we're not talking about beating children here discipline that's appropriate that's right for that particular age sad to say yes there have been and and does occur where people are out of control and they, some have beat their children and and we call it child abuse. And they've beaten their children and some have even died from it. That's tragic, it's sad and, and it happens and it happens too far, far too much. Anytime is too much. But does that mean that we don't ever discipline now because this person over here is completely out of control? That's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I think. Mm-hmm. says it will save him, it won't kill him. Right. Chapter 29, just a couple more and we, we're, we'll finish up. Chapter 29, because we have communion and it's, I'm, I'm running out of time quickly. Verse 17, 29, 17, Discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Wow, that's a promise. Yep. Peace and delight through discipline, common sense, practical, appropriate discipline. And look at verse 17. Well, that was 17. Look at verse 15. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Sometimes you think we just don't need to do anything. They'll get it. They'll figure it out. No, it's our responsibility as parents to help them figure it out. Wisdom brings, is brought to them as well. I'm going to read a couple verses for, uh, for the sake of time out of the New Testament, just so you know, and, and, and we'll turn to um, one more passage to close. But in the New Testament, it says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, As fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's Ephesians 6.4. Don't exasperate them. Don't, you know, push them so hard, so far. And, and sometimes, our fa- you know, we as fathers, we can do this. We, we want to see them achieve, and we push them and push them. Don't exasperate them. But he says, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Again, the responsibility and fathers, you know, it doesn't, interestingly enough, it doesn't mention... In that passage, or the parallel passage in Colossians, it doesn't mention the mothers. They seem to have this innate you know, heart to bring them up and, and for the most part. But fathers need to kind of, I think we need to get a fire underneath us. We need to understand that we've got this responsibility. We can't just say, Mom will do it. The church will do it. No, what's God called you and I to do? Don't exasperate, but bring them up. Don't beat them down, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The Colossians passage says, "Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged." One more passage I'll read from is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul talks about what they were like in the church and in Uh, He says, we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. And then he says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The mother would be caring and cherishing, 1 Thessalonians 2.7, and the father, he says, would be encouraging, comforting, and urging The children, what? To live lives worthy of God. That's our responsibility, to encourage, comfort, and urge our children to live a life worthy of God. That's not easy, is it? Do we have time to do this kind of thing? We're running out of time here now. We're only here for an hour and a half on a Sunday, but how much time do you have at home? How much time are you on the cell phone, the, the computer, uh, uh, with the television set on and, and thinking that you can multitask? You know, if you're going to discipline your children with a cell phone in this hand and something else in this hand and the television on and the computer on, how's that going to turn out? Is it going to work, first of all? No. No. The band Switchfoot does a song called, you know, Turn Down the Noise. Turn off the noise. There's time we need to, to, to close things down. And I think even each, as a part of our family lies, each part of every day, not just once a week where we kind of shut things down a little bit and we have some, some time together. It is amazing how quick the time goes by. I have regrets. I raised four kids with my wife. We raised four kids, but I have regrets of, of things that I did and did not do. And you cannot get that time back. One of the regrets was the television was on too often, too long. And I wanted to go watch the program rather than spend time with these kids, putting them to bed or whatever. I have regrets. But if you've got kids now, young kids now, don't don't let this time pass you by. James Dobson said these words, don't let... Pe- don't let these parenting years get away from you. Your contributions to your children and grandchildren could rank as your greatest accomplishments in life. Your greatest, greatest accomplishments in life. God help us. Maybe you are a two-parent family. Maybe you're a single-parent family. Maybe you're grandparents. We all need God's help to do this thing, to, to raise family God's way. The church has responsibility. We know that to support and to encourage, to teach, to be there. But it's secondary, Primary, primarily is the father and the mother. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 24 where we'll, where we'll finish and prepare for communion. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua... <clears throat> Was Moses' successor, but we see his example, and we see his challenge found in these verses, Joshua chapter twenty, verse twenty-four, verses fourteen and fifteen. He says, "Now fear the Lord, and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord." There's some things we need to get rid of. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, he, he gave his example. This is the way he lived. You read read his life. He he had an example. He wasn't perfect. None of us will be perfect. But he gave this challenge. He said, you know what? Choose. You make the choice. Who are you going to serve? The the gods of the the land you're living in? There's plenty of gods around us in this this place we call America. They're all around us. Are we going to serve their gods, the gods of this world? Are we going to serve the Lord? But we make the choice. It's not made for us. There was a man and his young son, and they were climbing a mountain. They came to a place where the climbing was very difficult and even dangerous, and the the father stopped to consider which way that he should go. And he heard the boy behind him say, Choose the good path, Dad. I'm coming right behind you. Choose the good path, Dad coming right behind you. And they are. They're right on our tails, believe it or not. We're going to have communion now and and my thought is that, you know, each one of us, we're in all different circumstances and situations, but we come before the cross of Jesus Christ. And we, we bring our families, we bring our homes, we bring our responsibilities, we bring our failures and our successes. And we all come to the foot of the cross and we say, Lord, help us. Lord, forgive, forgive us if we've failed. And we all have failed to one degree or another. But God, we come for the, for the sake of the cross, for your help. Perhaps you're in a situation now and, 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 and you're saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to do. It. Well, come to the cross this morning when we partake together. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ frees us, says in Revelation chapter 1, from our sins. It says they overcame the enemy in, later in Revelation by the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, their lives. The blood of Jesus Christ, the cross, is so much to you and to me. Let's pray together before we partake. Our gracious Heavenly Father, it's a big subject, and we only spent a few minutes together. But, but Lord, we we confess that that you are the Lord, the one over all. There is none besides you. You are the Rock. We feel like we, we're so, so, so many times, we're just unstable, we're, all, we're unsteady, we're unsure, and, and it's a huge responsibility, but you are the rock that we can build upon. And we can build our lives upon that rock, and, and when the storms come, that, that we won't be demolished or destroyed because we built our lives on the rock of who you are. I pray for our families, Lord, today. And each one of us is different. Each one has different circumstances, but all are important to you, Lord. And so we come to that cross. We come to that place of forgiveness, that place of healing, that place of hope and health. Lord, I pray for the fathers here today. I pray you would light a fire under each one of us that we would see and know and understand what you have called us to do. And we would not shirk our responsibilities, but we would would be what you've called us to be, Lord. Fathers, grandfathers, older brothers, but men who would be examples to the the people around us, to the children that are right, right behind us following our examples. Help us to be that. I pray for the mothers, the grandmothers, the sisters, the older uh, siblings. Lord, that you'd help each one to be what you've called them to be this morning and this day, this week, this year, this life, that we wouldn't look back with so many regrets. God, we cannot do this alone. We cannot do this without your help, without uh, as... It was pointed out to to us this morning without the the help of your Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us. Fill us with your Spirit, Lord. We give you our families. Like Hannah came and prayed and, and she gave up little Samuel to you, totally to you, Lord. We give them up to you, Lord, because we can trust you that you are perfect. You are faithful. You are true, even when we're not, that they're safe with you. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.